Okay, uh, we begin our lesson by talking about the idea of remember because the word remember is found actually several times in the Bible in various ways. You've got Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. You've got Acts chapter 20 and verse 35 where it says, uh, uh, Paul citing the words of the Lord Jesus, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. You got 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. It says, Now I praise you, brethren, because you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I have delivered you. You got Revelation 2 and verse 5, where it says, Remember therefore, Jesus speaking to the church at Ephesus, Remember therefore from whence you are fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I will come and uh, unto you and quickly remove your lampstand out of its place, except you repent. But in particular, we want to look at the passage in Luke chapter 17 because it also has a, a verse that exhorts us about remember. Contextually, Jesus is talking about the coming destruction in Jerusalem and he cites the, the story of Lot and what happened back there and there are some things that Jesus speaks about here. Beginning there in verse 28, it says, Likewise also, as it were in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone, or fire and sulfur, uh, from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, who, he who shall be upon the housetop and his goods in the house, let him not come down to take, away, uh, take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. And then in verse 32, the exhortation, remember Lot's wife. And verse 32 is the title of our lesson. Uh, we want to talk about this exhortation of Jesus when he says, remember Lot's wife. The first thing we want to do is just kind of go back and briefly look at that historical event back in the book of Genesis chapter 19, just sort of refresh your mind, sort of what took place back there. Genesis, first book in the Bible, easy to find. The 19th chapter, beginning there in verse 12. The angels who came in the appearance of men came and speak to Lot. And the men said, verse 12, the men said unto Lot, Have you here any besides, sons-in-law, or your sons, or your daughters, and whatsoever you have in the city, bring them out of this place? For we will destroy this place, because the cry against them has become great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spoke unto his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But uh, he seemed as one that mocked unto, uh, unto his sons-in-law. That is, he was joking. He was just, uh, he just sort of thought, just kind of poking fun, but it wasn't so. And when the morning arose, when the angels rushed, uh, Lot, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters and, uh, who are here, lest you be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Verse 16. And while he lingered, the men laid, hand, uh, uh, laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him outside of the city. And it came to pass that when they brought them forth outside, they said that, it, uh, that he said, Escape for your life. Look not behind you. Neither stay in all the plain. Escape in the mountain, uh, lest you be consumed. And then drop on down in verse 23. And the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. 
and overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities, that which grew upon the ground. Uh, but his uh, wife looked back uh, from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And so there you have the brief story about Lot and what happened to Mrs. Lot, and that she turned into pillar of salt, of course, for looking back. So let's look at this exhortation, this uh, admonition that Jesus gave in Luke chapter 17 and in verse 32, and ponder about that. Because I think there are several lessons that we can think about when we remember Lot's wife. The first lesson, and that is that we can understand the will of God. When we remember Lot's wife, we can understand the will of God. I mean, look there in verse 17 once again, where the angels speak to them, and they say, escape for your life. That hard to understand? Nope. Look not behind you, neither stay in all the plain, Escape to the mountain, lest you be consumed. When you look at the, the words of the angels there in verse 17, would you scratch your head and say, oh, wait a minute, I need to jot that down. I need to look that up. Uh, Mrs. Lott, did you remember where I put my cell phone? I need to look that up on Google and, and, and find some definitions of those words. Well, no. It's all pretty easy. It's quite easy to understand what was described there in verse 17, the instructions that was given to Lot, Mrs. Lot, and the two daughters there in verse 17. And when we remember Lot's wife, we can understand God's will. Look there in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17. In Ephesians 5 and verse 17, Paul says, Therefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We're exhorted to understand what the will of the Lord is. I mean, does God command the impossible that it's going to be impossible for us to understand the will of the Lord? No. We can understand. That. Now, there are some things that are hard to be understood. There is the meat of the word. But there are a lot of things that are really, really quite simple to understand when it comes to God's will. Look there at Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 2. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given unto me to, to, to you word, how that by revelation, that is, Paul talks about how that by revelation, that is directly upon the mind of God, by, by the hand of God, by inspiration, how that revelation he made known unto me the mystery, that is, the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, that salvation is for Jew and Gentile in the Son of God. As I wrote a in a few words, so God put it in the mind of Paul, and then Paul says, I wrote in a few words, then look at verse 4, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul says you can read and you can understand. And really, there's a lot, in fact, probably the majority when it comes to the Word of God, we can read it and understand. We can understand the Word of God. Now, those things that are a little bit more difficult, in time, we'll get to them, but we can understand the Word of God. Now, we're told by some that you can't really understand the will of God. You have to have the church explain it to you. You have to have the Holy Spirit somehow miraculously come upon you to explain it to you. It's not so. Paul says you can read it and you can understand it. That's fundamental. That's a basic concept. And when we remember Lot's wife, we learn that. Yeah, we can understand the will of God. Something else when we think about this exhortation of Luke 17, verse 32, remember Lot's wife, we need faith and courage to do his will. Go back there to book, uh, the book of Genesis chapter uh, 19 and verse 14 and consider this point. In Genesis chapter 19 and verse 14, Lot went out and spoke unto his sons-in-law who married his daughters. 
And so he's talking to his sons-in-law. Now, I don't have sons-in-law. I have two daughter-in-law. Maybe pretty soon, next few months, I have a third daughter-in-law. But I don't have any sons-in-law. But I think something about when uh, those who marry your children, they're kind of like your family. They're kind of like your own. And no doubt, I would think, that uh, when he speaks to his sons-in-law and exhorts them to, hey, we need to get out of here. This, this place is going to be destroyed that they would have listened. Well, they didn't listen. So now here you're in a quagmire. Are you going to stay with your family, your sons-in-law, and then, of course, be destroyed? Or are you going to obey God's will and flee the city to save your life? You see, he had to make a choice. And that's where we need faith and courage when it comes to doing God's will. In the book of Matthew chapter 10 there in verse 37, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37, it says, He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Which says that we must love Jesus more than family. So here you're in kind of a quagmire. Lot and Mrs. Lot and these girls, they're in a quagmire. Are we going to stay with the sons-in-law? Or are we going to flee as God commands for our own safety and for our own redemption, for our own rescue? You see, you have to make a choice. You have to have courage. You have to have faith. For we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 7. And so Lot and his family had to make a choice. And of course, they made the right choice in that they obeyed God. We could illustrate it this way. Suppose family comes in to visit over the weekend. We have a divine appointment to meet upon the first day of the week. Well, do we stay at home and be with the family, or do we come to services? Which one are we going to do? We think, well, you know, they come a long way. Well, the first option I would see is invite them to come to services also. Hey, come on, I, you know, I have an appointment. I need to meet uh, and worship uh, uh, my God and, and worship the God of heaven, and uh, you're certainly invited to come. That would be first option. Second option is that if they're not interested in coming to services, well, just hang around for a couple hours. I'll be back, and then we'll pick up where we are. You see, the will of God comes first. That's where we need faith, and we need courage. And when we remember Lot's wife, we learn that lesson. That's an important lesson to learn. There's a third lesson when I think about this phrase, this exhortation of Luke 17, verse 32, remember Lot's wife, and that is all that God commands is important. Go back to Genesis chapter 19, look at verse 17 again. Here was the instructions of the Lord, escape for your life. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, we need to do that. Uh, look not behind you. Yeah, that, that's kind of, that's a minor thing. Neither stay in all the plain. Okay, good idea. Escape to the mountain, lest you be consumed. Yeah, important. You see, really all that was said here was important. Even that little command, don't look behind you. Don't look back. That was what the Lord commanded. And of course, we know what happened to Lot's wife. Because she looked back, even though maybe she thought it wasn't important. Maybe she heard the screams. Maybe she heard uh, uh, the destruction that was going on. For whatever reason, she looks back, contrary to the will of God. And of course, she was punished in that she was turned into pillar of salt. All that God commands is important. Look there in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, when Jesus was tempted of the devil. 
Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by some of the words that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Is that what that verse says? If you were looking in your Bible, you know that's not what it said. It didn't say that man shall live by some of the words. No, it says, but man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see, all that God commands is important. You know, sometimes I remember when I was in school, like, it, was, it seemed like invariably when we would come back to school for the next grade, we had to write about what we did during the summer. And you had to write a page. And I never was big in writing. And so you had to write a whole page. And you felt like you just sort of put stuff in there just to fill it up because the teacher said a page. You know, you could have given a concise half page of kind of what the big highlights of what you did during the summer, but the teacher said a page, so you were just kind of putting filler in. Now, that's not the way God, when he wrote the Bible, that he put all these pages and a bunch of us just a bunch of filler. No, it's there for our instruction. All that God commands is important. Look there in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 33. You have the attitude of Cornelius and uh, his friends and family that are gathered there. And it says there, immediately therefore, Cornelius speaking, immediately therefore I send unto you, and you have, done, you have done well, that you are come, and then listen to what he says. Now therefore we are all here present before God to hear what? To hear all things that are commanded you of God. Just give us everything. We, we want it all. We don't want to just pick and choose. It's not like you know, a multiple choice, and it's, like, it's not like going to the buffet and you just pick what you like and the rest of it you skip. When it comes to God's will, everything that God says is important. And when we remember Lot's wife, we say, well, you know, that's, a, that's an important concept to remember. All that God says is important. Another lesson when we think about this exhortation of Luke 17 and verse 32, remember Lot's wife, we can start out good, but we end up, we can end up bad. I mean, look at Mrs. Lot. Yeah, they, the angels brought them out and they fled. She started out good. Of course, she ended up bad because she looked back. And of course, she turned into pillar salt. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, But I roughly treat my body, or buffet my body, and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul preached the gospel all over the Roman Empire, traveling roundabout, establishing congregations, converting, teaching people, instructing people. But Paul understood, you know, he says, you know, I've got, I've got to follow it also. You know, Paul was doing great, but then if he fell away, well, then he's going to be in trouble. Because if I don't live what I'm preaching, I myself should be disqualified, should be rejected, should be eliminated. You have to maintain fidelity all the way to the end. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, the writer is addressing Hebrew Christians who had left Judaism, who were thinking about going back to Judaism, and the writer exhorts in verse 26, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. That's not to say that Christians can't be forgiven once they commit wrong, that's not the point. It's in view of uh, uh, the Jewish mindset because if you miss the annual day of atonement in 2022, we'll pick it up in 2023 or we'll pick it up in 2024. You know, there'll be another one. And the writer's saying, look, if you reject Jesus, and there's going to be anybody else that's coming along. Jesus is the only Savior and if you reject him, there is no more sacrifice for sins. 
but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he is sanctified an unholy thing and has done insult unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongs unto me. I will recompense, says the Lord. And again the Lord shall judge his people. In verse 31, It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Yeah, we can start out good. We can obey the gospel. We can be baptized into Christ. And we can have excitement. And we can be at every service. But then we can just sort of fizzle out. We can fall away. We can end up bad. That's what happened to Mrs. Lot. She started out good. But then she ended up bad. And it can happen for us also. Remember Lot's wife. Let's think about another lesson when we ponder about that exhortation of Luke chapter 17, verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. And that is our family will not save us. Each individual member has to follow after God. In the book of Philippians chapter 2, in Philippians chapter 2 and number 12, Paul speaking here to the Philippian brethren, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Each of us must work out our own salvation. I can't work out salvation for my spouse. I can't work out my salvation. You can't work out salvation for my children, for my grandchildren, or for brothers, or for sisters, or cousins, or grandparents, or parents. Each one must work out their own salvation. We stand individually before God. Our family will not save us. Just because your parents are Christians doesn't make you a Christian. Just because your children are faithful doesn't make you faithful. Just because your spouse is faithful doesn't make the other spouse uh, uh, saved. Each must uh, individually serve God. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, verse 20, we cite this verse to deal with the problem quite often of inherited sin, of original sin. That is, we inherit Adam's sin. That is, his sin has been passed down to all of us. And we cite this verse, and rightly so, because it shows that it's not true. Uh, it's not so. The soul that sins, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. We don't bear the iniquity of the father. We don't bear the iniquity of the grandfather, the great-grandfather, or the great-great-great-grandfather. We don't bear the iniquity of our parents. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. We don't inherit sin. Neither do we inherit righteousness. Just because you're living right as parents, that doesn't mean that the children are going to be righteous. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children because each must individually obey God. Each must do. Now, our family will help us. They will set, try to set a good example. They will pray. They will teach. They will admonish. They will rebuke. At times, they will uh, 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 just lovingly give stern words, admonition, uh, teachings, etc. Yeah, our families will try to help us. We try to help everybody in the family to serve God. But ultimately, each of us must individually choose to serve the Lord. So our families will not save us. They're going to help us, but we must take a hold ourselves. Remember Lot's wife. 
Something else when we think about this exhortation of Jesus in Luke 17, verse 32. And that is, we learn a great lesson about the severity of the Lord regarding sin. In the book of uh, Romans, chapter 1, and verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. God has not changed his mind about wickedness and sin, unrighteousness, transgression, rebellion. God's wrath is revealed against such. And it doesn't make any difference who we are, whether we do a little sin, a lot of sin, big sins or little sins. At least in our thinking, it doesn't make any difference. Sin is sin, and the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness. In the book of, Rebel, uh, in the book of Romans, excuse me, chapter 11, verse 22, Paul said, Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God on them who fell severity, but towards you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you, shall, uh, you also shall be cut off. There are two sides to God. I hope we will appreciate, understand, and always think about both sides. You know, we talk about the love of God. Great. It is. God is love. 1 John chapter 4. God so loved the world. Yeah, John 3, 16. The compassion, the compassion of God, the mercy of God, the goodness of God. Yeah, we see this side of God. It is so. It is beautiful. It's, it's, it's magnificent. Thank God for his graciousness. And to look at that side of God... Well, let's don't forget about the other side, the wrath of God, the anger of God, God's hatred of sin and wickedness and wrongdoing. We need to appreciate and understand both sides because if we don't see both sides, we will have a distorted view of God. Uh, well, let me get a bigger piece. It's like, for instance, if this, if this was a, a mirror, pretend it's a mirror, and when you look at a flat mirror, when you look, you're going to see your face exactly the way it is. Is that correct? Yeah. But if the mirror is sort of like, uh, is sort of like this, what are you going to see? You're going to look real tall. And if the mirror is distorted and it's like this, you're going to look like really short. And if the mirror is like this, you're going to look really heavy. And if, and if the mirror is sort of curved like this, you're going to look real skinny, sort of like me. You know, you get a distorted view. You, you need to look at the mirror exactly to see exactly how you are. And when we look at God, we need to see God, both sides of God, the goodness of God, absolutely. But we also need to see the severity of God. And we see the severity of God. You think about, look what happened to Mrs. Lot. She turned into pillar salt for what? For looking back. We think, well, it's a small thing. But it was still disobedience. God said, don't look behind you. She looked behind. That's disobedience. That's rebellion. That's transgression. And you just you can go all through the Bible and see that. Where people just rebel against God, and God, of course, gives punishment. And God warns about that. We need to see that God severity. You look at the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, here we're probably thousands and thousands of They're cities. We're not talking about little hole-in-the-wall towns where all you got is a post office or a store. We're talking about cities. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, thousands of people. What happens to them? They're all destroyed. God sends down fire and brimstone, and it falls upon them, and they are destroyed. They're all burned up. Now, that brimstone or sulfur, when sulfur, I don't know, when we used to fool around with, like, snakes during around, uh, 
Fourth uh, of July and smoke bombs. Uh, there's a lot of sulfur in it that makes a lot of smoke. But sulfur and sulfur compounds, when they burn, they like bubble and they're real sticky. It'd be like you get water, you sort of wipe it off. But if you got honey, you, you just can't wipe it off. And here, this fire and brimstone, the sulfur is just landing. You just can't wipe it off. It just sticks and it burns and it destroyed all those wicked people that for their great sin, they had brought this destruction upon themselves. That's the severity of God. I hope that we see the severity of God regarding sin. He hasn't changed his mind. He has demonstrated over and over again. You look through Old Testament history. Go all the way back to the very beginning with Adam and Eve. Well, they just ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, was it that big a deal? Well, yeah, it was a big deal because God said, don't eat it. And the day you eat, you will surely die. And they died that day. They were separated from God. That's how God feels. Man sins, man dies. That's the law of sin and death. And it applies throughout all the ages, even till today. Yeah, so that's another lesson we learned. When we remember Lot's wife, the severity of sin, uh, the, the severity of the Lord regarding sin. And then another lesson that we can learn, and that is we need to keep our eyes on the go. Don't be looking back. Look there in the book of uh, Philippians chapter 3. Paul says in verse 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm looking upward and onward, looking ever toward Christ, looking toward the ultimate goal of getting to heaven. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord. Keep your eyes focused on things above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Look there in Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, verse 59. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, allow me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at, uh, at home at my, at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Don't look back. I mean, when we leave the world, just, just stop and think. Name me one thing. One, just one thing that is beautiful and delicious and wonderful in the domain of darkness. Just name one thing. There's nothing. There's nothing. Oh, the Bible talks about the pleasures of sin, but they're very temporal, and uh, that's how the devil entices us to do wrong. But it's just a facade. It brings pain and heartache and anguish when we participate in sin and transgression, whether it's immorality, whether it's wickedness, whether it's just not doing what we need to do, rejecting God, dis disrespecting the Lord. It does nothing but bring pain and sorrow. There's nothing. When you look at the world and all the devil has to offer is nothing but contaminations. Look there in 2 Peter chapter 2 there and verse 20. Peter says, for, after I, uh, for, for if after they have escaped the defilements, some translations just simply say the contaminations, the contaminations of the world. We escape the contaminations of the world through what? Well, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, that's, that's the world, contamination. Sin is, is a blot. It's a contamination. It's a spiritual defilement, just uncleanness, just to be all dirty spiritually. 
And then he says, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse than with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. See, that's the danger going back. It's going to be difficult to get one back on the right track. And been better not, not even known to have uh, taken the, uh, of the, uh, the heavenly way, but then turned back. And then look at verse 22, some pretty graphic language here. But it happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog has turned its own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallering in the mire. The first image. He talks about here you got a pig, and you wash that pig all up, and it's all clean, it smells good, and then you kind of let it go, and what will happen? Well, I got a picture. There's a pig wallering in, in, in the mire in, in a mud puddle. When I was in Guatemala a few years ago, we was in Cocales, there at the house of Brother Antonio. This house is kind of small, so we met outside. We met out under a tree, of course, tropical weather. And we had chairs set up, and everything was nice, you know, for our, for our service, for our Bible study. And it wasn't very far. It would probably be like from here to Randy. I was standing, and all the bread, and we were all around. And about where Randy stands, there's those two pigs there just kind of playing in the mud hole. Just relaxing in that, that swimming pool of mud water, muddy water. I mean, does that look kind of, uh, that, that look kind of nice to you? I mean, you know, sometimes we work in the garden or we're working some dirty job and our clothes are all dirty. I mean, do we just come in, eat our supper, and just go to bed in those dirty clothes? I was like, ooh, boy, that, that just, ooh, that's just kind of disgusting. No, we come in, we take off all those dirty clothes, and, and we take a shower, we get on our clean pajamas, and then we get in bed. I mean, you just don't come from working to field and all them dirty clothes just hop into bed. I mean, that's just, that's just ooh, it's just kind of icky, is it not? Well, that's the image where you have a Christian who has been washed by the blood of the Lamb and the, from the defilements and contamination of the world, and there they are going right back into the world and just living by a, a high old time back in sin and wickedness. That's what Peter's talking about. And then the second one. And just a little warning, I, I have a picture of this one too. <laughs> uh, it happened uh, about three or four years ago. Josh was preaching down at... Uh, uh, Pine Grove down Lincoln County and so uh, I rode with Rick and Mary to go to the meeting that night and when we were coming back Rick and Mary said hey you want to come in for ice cream or coke or snack or something okay sure that'd be fine so we get to Rick and Mary's house and when we come in lo and behold there's their dog and two portions of throwing up I don't know what it ate but it threw up and Mary, she's like, oh, wait a minute, let me clean that up. Well, fortunately, that's a blessing of cell phones. Like, I got a camera. Wait a minute, Mary, I got to get a picture of this. And there that dog was eating its own vomit. Twice I've seen that in my life. First time was uh, a few years ago. We had this dog that uh, hung around. Called it our undog. It really wasn't our dog. It was the undog that just sort of hung around because we had kids and and you know dogs they like they like to be played with and all that so they had somebody to play with. But that dog threw up and ate its own vomit. And Rick and Mary's dog eating its own vomit. I mean that that's really it's pretty pretty graphic when you ponder about that. I mean has anybody here ever thrown up? I mean I have. Anybody else? Have you ever thrown up in your life? You can shake your head, yeah, it's, it's, it's permitted to say yes. Yeah. 
You know what? Back in, in, uh, in March when I was flying to Cancun, we, we were making pretty good time and we were coming in on the airplane. Oh, there's, there's the coast. Oh, there's the airport. I don't know for what reason. We, we got down low and of course the air gets turbulent. And we went almost all the way across the Yucatan Peninsula and turned around and come back to the airport. And it was jostling and that's the first time in several years that I got sick. And there wasn't one of those little puke bags there in, in the seat pocket there in front of you. And I asked him, do you have a bag? And so he mentioned to his wife and she grabs me a bag. And I'm trying to hold back and finally it's like you throw up. Wasn't a lot, but I threw up. And I'll tell you what, I never ever came to my mind thinking, oh, I think I'll save this little bag for after a while, have me a snack. I mean, you wouldn't think about that, would you? I mean, you throw up, you, don't, you just don't want to see that. You want to flush it down the commode or if you're outside, you just want to get away from it. You just don't want to be around that anymore. Could you imagine going back and eating that? that that's what Peter's describing is when we leave the contaminations and filth of the world, it's like throwing up and we come into Christ Jesus and then we're going to go back and eat that? That's what Peter's saying. That is not good. Don't turn back. Keep your eyes on the Lord. That's the exhortation that we see uh, when we think about Lot's wife. Keep our eyes on the go. We're trying to get to heaven. And don't let Satan try to deceive us thinking, well, it'll be wonderful if you just come back into my kingdom and what I'm offering you. No, the devil has nothing to offer us. Jesus has all that we need and all that will be beautiful and wonderful both now and into eternity. We extend the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you set your eyes on heaven? You can do so. You can get started by hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. There in Acts chapter 2, you men of Israel, hear these words. Would you be willing to believe in Jesus? That's what the jailer was told. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in the house and all you will be saved. We need to repent, turn to God, confess our faith, and be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of sins. That's how we become a Christian. Those are the steps that you see that are outlined by the Lord in order to become a child of God. Keep our eyes growing in God's grace and honor. Just keep serving the Lord. If we do go back, we can return. You will come back in repentance and prayer. We're going to sing this song to your encouragement. If you've not been washed in the blood of the Lord, uh, by the blood of the Lamb, you could do so even, even this morning, if we can help in any way. You come and let us know while together as we stand and as we sing.